Good evening. Thank you for coming. We'll continue with our discussion of the Paramatma Sandarva of Srila Jiva Goswami. Um, this evening's discussion will be on the 21st of the 21 uh, interest, Intrinsic Qualities of the Jiva and this last intrinsic quality in the list is speaks of how the the jiva, how ourselves, is of the same nature as Paramatma, being an integral part of the Paramatma. So we'll go over some things where there's likeness and some things where there's some difference and see that there is a very close connection. Amavam so jiva loke jiva bhuta sanatana. Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, the living entity is my integrated parts and parcel. The verse goes on to say, Manasastran indriyani prakriti stani karsati. But while in the material world, our mind and our senses are entangled, and uh, in the root of all phenomenal existence. So we're very close to the material energy also. So this Anacheda will touch upon that aspect of how closely integrated we become with the material nature to such an extent that all of us think we're the material body. We take it as our true sense of self without it we would we'd have a hard time existing so we we really do buy into our phenomenal existence but by learning of our true qualities our intrinsic nature through acharyas like Srila Jiva Goswami um, we can get a very firm foundation upon which we can practice spiritual life. Firm in that we have a deep understanding. Um, if we look if we look at it from a very detached position, if we look at what really is offered through the Madhva Gaudiya Brahma, God, Brahma, Madhva, Gaudiya, Sampradaya. It's a, it's a, an, it's an extremely comprehensive understanding of the nature of our true being, um, and so comprehensive and so deep that it seems like a bottomless ocean. Where could we ever come to fully? understanding everything about Krishna everything about you know even about our own self especially in light of the fact that if you look into human society day and we see all the different approaches to religiosity or the different approaches to spirituality or or even the different approaches to what is the nature of consciousness? 
the diversity of thought and the diversity of faith is immense. So here we sit, a small Sangha of devotees who have adopted uh, through some faith and through some extreme good fortune and probably in most instances through some prior association um, a very unique position of, of pursuing a spiritual path that that is so comprehensive it's it's we should be extremely uh, thankful at every moment of, of how who knows the nature of, of the Supreme? Well, we know where he lives. We know the people he likes. And we're fortunate in that we get to associate with people that like him. So it's a very, very unique position that we're in. And to, uh, to take advantage of that is, uh, is uh, our good fortune to be able to do that. So this last intrinsic quality, the jiva is an integrated part of paramatma. So jiva explains, he's Anucheta, he's written the following. He starts with a little bit of an explanation. He doesn't, generally we find in a lot of the Anuchetas, he first presents a verse from the Bhagavatam, which is like a sutra. Then he himself comments on it in a way that brings out the point of tattva that he wants to accentuate for our well-being in spiritual life. And then he doesn't really support the Bhagavatam statement because from his viewpoint, the Bhagavatam statements themselves are sutras. They're, they're, they in themselves are perfectly composed and presented of realities regarding the nature of being and the nature of the Supreme. But he supports what he said as far as what he wanted to bring out. Because every verse of the Bhagavatam could be explained in many, many different ways. Many Acharyas use verses to explain entirely divergent points of spiritual understanding. Um, and as you as you continue to study the Bhagavad, you'll notice um, for many years I just read uh, my spiritual master's uh, commentaries on the Bhagavad Purana, the Srimad Bhagavatam, and then I started to read Vishwanath Chakravarti's as soon as they were available in English, and you can see. One thing that Vishwanath did that was very unique is he wrote in simple Sanskrit what his translation of the verse was. In other words, not only he didn't just write the Sanskrit verse and then start to comment on it. He wrote the verse and then he translated it in simple Sanskrit and then so you can see that if you read one verse from the Bhagavatam, Prabhupada's translation and Vishwanath's 
could be very, very different. And then they both comment. Um, and the commentaries are, are different because they, Prabhupada's presenting the Bhagavatam in a very broad manner to a very broad audience and in very, what, what some would consider a, a simple presentation. That would be a foolish consideration because if you, as we go on and we study the other Acharyas, we find that what's simple about it is the fact that he was able to put it in our simple language in a way that we could understand it. But all the deepness of the other commentaries and all the the richness of the uh, teachings of the Sampradaya, of the, of the lineage that he comes in and that we now are taking up is it's all there. So what we notice, the more we study the Purva Acharyas, the prior Acharyas, of which Prabhupada is now a Purva Acharya himself, we won't go into the divergence of thought in that regard, but technically speaking, a guru is someone, according to the technical presentation, that Krishna gives to Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita. Tadvidi pranipate na pariparsnaina sevaya upadakshanti te gyanam janinas tatva darsina. Just try to learn the truth by approaching a spiritual master, inquire from him submissively, and render service unto him. Self realized soul can impart knowledge unto you because he's seen the truth. Now we notice a majority of contemporary Vaishnavs, especially those associated with Prabhupada's Ishkan, they consider Prabhupada the Siksha Guru for all the devotees in the institution. That's not technically correct. Why? Let's look to Krishna's verse. What's Krishna say in this verse? Tadvidi pranipate na pari prashnena sevaya upadakshanti te gyanam janinas tadvadarshita. Just try to approach a spiritual master, inquire from him submissively. Unless I had the advanced ability to enter into samadhi and have the good fortune of in that trance-like stage have, have Prabhupada's personal darshan, even as his disciple. I have no ability to ask him a question if I'm befuddled about something now. And although you can say, I, as his disciple, can serve him, when he was here, I could hold an umbrella, I could fan, I could follow a direction that he'd give, go out and do some service that he request, requested of me. He did request me to do something once. You know, go shut up that dog. <laughs> <laughs> kind of an interesting, <laughs> interesting <laughs> direct instruction from your guru. You know, it's one o'clock in the morning and I can't sleep because of all the mosquitoes in India. 
and I'm just, you know, chatting Joppa, and he comes out on his veranda, and he, he says, there's a dog barking over there. Prabhupada's trying to do his work in the middle of the night, and he says, go shut up that dog. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, could you do it? Uh, that's an interesting... <laughs> Let's put it this way. The dog was shut up, but if I look back upon the incident, someone helped me do it, and I just don't can't put my finger on who it was, and that was my experience of it. So, yeah, we, we were... So, I can't inquire... He's my spiritual. I can't render any personal service. Although you could say, well, his institution is his body. Yeah, that's kind of a stretch. I don't know how we got off on this. The misunderstanding of the fact that, you know, to, to make the distinction between the direct, the direct, inquiry and rendering service which is the formula Krishna gives us with the guru um, we have to fully understand what's said there so there's a lot of misunderstanding I guess and I'm just using this as an is a an example of the profound misunderstanding Everyone says, well, Prabhupada's everyone seeks a guru. Rupa Goswami's everyone seeks a guru if you want to take it that way. What about Lord Chaitanya? Hey, let's all be the the disciple of Sanatan or Vishwanath. <laughs> well, how about Bhakti Vinod or Bhakti Siddhanta? Why not? I mean, if 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 everybody is Prabhupada's Siksha disciple, well, what about all the rest? Why do we limit it to Prabhupada? We should... Be broad-minded. A devotee is a broad-minded person. So they're all. But that's not the terminology that's used in relationship to guru. Guru, according to Krishna, has these other, these other things have to be there. You have to be able to inquire. You have to be able to render service, personal service to the guru. And when the guru's not there, if, if you don't yet have the ability to to communicate with him directly, well, then it's time for shiksha. Find, seek out, if you want to continue to seek out a shiksha guru and continue to inquire and render service. In the Chaitanya Charitamrita, it's quite clear they are both equally guru. And to see a distinction between one and the other is actually an offensive mentality. So, um, that's an, so when we hear this applied to Prabhupada we should understand it's a misapplication of nomenclature and guess what the details do matter um, and why they say the devil is in the details I'm, I'm confused but anyway So the significance of this deep, profound understanding that the Purva Acharyas give us in their writings, they leave around some, and that the current guru can give us 
directly is is very significant and uh, the finities the fine discrimination uh, helps us immensely uh, it, it it builds a very strong foundation so that when the and believe me the winds of material nature which we may or may not experience <laughs> this weekend uh, they're they're sometimes you know very very troubling to us the mind wants to go somewhere else the body wants something different we've been conditioned who knows how long so to recondition ourselves to spiritual thought and to spiritual emotion and to spirituality in general is is it's a challenge we need good guidance to take up the challenge and we need it from every quarter where we can get it. But so we study. We study these books of the Purvacharyas, and we we take direct shelter of the Guru, and we inquire, and we we continue uh, continue to deepen this understanding. So when the hurricane comes, we're we have good roots. We're not going anywhere. So we're part of Paramatma. Back to the subject at hand. Next to be explained is the meaning of paramatmika seshatva swabhava. Now, this is a phrase from the very beginning of this section. Remember that Jiva brought us into this, these 21 intrinsic qualities, by co quoting Jamatri Muni. So this is at the end of those four verses that were quoted. This is the last verse. It's the 21st quality. Paramatmaka Sesatva Swabhava. So now Jiva is going to explain that and unpack it for us. The Jiva is by nature the unitary, irreducible remainder of Paramatma. Technical Technically, exactly what the words mean, the way Jeeva is going to present them. Quality number 21. In the compound, Paramatmika, Paramatmika, say Sattva, Swabhava, the word Eka, a unit, refers to an entity who is other than or distinct from Paramatma. And the word Sesa, Remainder, residue, means a part. That entity who is both a distinct unit, Eka, and an irreducible part, Sesha, is Eka Sesha, a part of Paramatma that is yet different from him. A unitary or integrated part of Paramatma is known as Paramatmaka Sesha, and is its, its existential condition, bhava, is called paramatmaka sesattva. So, that which has this condition as its intrinsic nature, swabhava, is called paramatmaka sesattva swabhava, referring to the jiva. Moreover, this is its permanent state of being, sarvada, implying that such is the case even in the liberated state. The jiva has this intrinsic nature, 
by its very own inner constitution, Swarupata Eva, meaning that it is not the outcome of some covering or limitation, Paricheta, or Brahman, on Brahman by Maya. So, at the very beginning of this Anucheta, Jiva wants us to know this is a permanent condition. We're always going to be part of Paramatma. We're never going to be folded into some other energy. And he takes the trouble to point this out in order to defeat um, the opponent's position. And he has, in his Sandarbhas, made clear that he does have an opponent, the Advaitins. The Advaitins' conception is not the complete understanding. So, in this Anucheta, he's going to use a, a few pramans or supports for the fact that there's never a time that any of these intrinsic qualities of the jiva are going to be relinquished. Even in the liberated state, he, he, he states here, even in the liberated state, you're going to be part of Paramatma. It's not that now you have a distinctiveness or an individuality that's come about by your involvement in ignorance. And this is what the Advaitins believe. Their point is, we come into material existence, we get covered by ignorance, and we think that we're something different than the Supreme. That holds up, all that holds up to a certain point, except they say that upon liberation, that the distinctiveness is annihilated and you merge into Brahman. So they, don't, they do not... Every, we agree with them on everything regarding our conditioning in material life, except we're not interested, as they are, in relinquishing our individuality upon liberation. And they want to relinquish their individuality. We're in the school of bhakti. We're not brahmavadis. We want to remain separate from the Supreme. We, we're not fully separate. That's what this whole Anacheda is about. Because once you take that away, well, what's the purpose of bhakti? Are we only using bhakti to become liberated and to merge into Krishna? Well, that's okay. You're allowed to do that. But who would want to do it from our vantage point? Our Sampradaya says, well, there's so much more in loving God that in just becoming God. That's really what we say. We want to maintain that distinctiveness 
of us and him or her because we have many gods. Some of us just want to worship the, the other aspect of Krishna. But that's, that's the detailed knowledge that we've been uh, allowed to uh, have a glimpse of. So right here in the beginning of this, well, this is the end of the, tw- the intrinsic qualities, but in the beginning of the Sanocheta, which is very extensive, we won't get through the whole thing this evening, he starts out here. Even in the liberated state, our distinctiveness and our connection with the Supreme is there. It's not that the distinctiveness is only in our conditioned existence. So it goes on. The the virtue of Paramatma's natural inconceivable potency, the jiva, is by nature like a particle of his rays. By virtue, I'm sorry, it's it's not the virtue, it's by virtue of Paramatma's natural inconceivable potency. The jiva is by nature like a particle of his rays, but it is conditioned in its conditioned state. It becomes to a certain degree a part even of the material energy, prakriti. To a certain degree. That's pretty, pretty certain that we think we're material nature. We certainly do accept the body-mind complex as the self. And shaking that off doesn't happen easily. Um, so we do get really wrapped up in the external energy. And we're just and leaving the nature of the intrinsic qualities of the jiva and we're going to go on another whole exploration of the external energy and in that we're going to see how much we do become entangled in it and by understanding the nature of what we're entangled in we will hopefully be able to see that there's no way out that's honestly the truth except we can ask for help. Get me out of here. <laughs> really. To a certain extent, as we've discussed, yes, we have some, some what? Agency. And with the agency, we can become a city yogi. With the agency, we can become liberated as a jivan mukta. Uh, with that agency, we can do so much. And even when we're thinking we're doing all that so much, if there's not a particle of bhakti in there somewhere, we're not going to be successful in any of those things. But that's our viewpoint. And there's much scripture to support that viewpoint. That even if you think I've become liberated by my own efforts, Well, that's a Jeevan Mukta's viewpoint to a certain extent. But unless he uses a little bhakti, he's not actually going to get out of the material. He'll think he's liberated. He may not be a 
attached to anything material, but in due course of time, unless he takes shelter of at least some bhakti, he won't attain the fulfillment of his aspiration and he will fall down again. That's there in scripture. It's fully supported by many examples of great, great yogis who were free. And then they saw a couple fish. I mean, that's how easy it is to fall down. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, so it's, it's practically inconceivable to do all that hard work for how many lifetimes and then all of a sudden, you know, in just a moment, what to speak of maintaining such a high standard that standard entails we're living in a world that's just full of living entities. What's the possibility, even in a liberated state, of not offending one or another of them somewhere along the way? So it's very hard to maintain, even for the Jivan Mukta, within the environment where you have so many other living entities I mean, you know, you're going to have to scrape the path every time you walk. I mean, you're going to have to put a mask over your face so you don't breathe. I mean, you you can't even cook a meal without, you know, offending or killing some other living entity. So the environment is not conducive. So, yeah. So by, virt by, by virtue of Paramatma's natural inconceivable potency, the jiva is by nature like a particle of his rays, but in its conditional state it becomes to a certain degree a part even of the material nature. Prakriti. Prakriti se satvam api. This is the double sense of the word swata. By its own inner constitution. In the verses of Jamatri Muni in Anuchena 19. So Jeeva's just pointing out this one word from Jamatri Muni's last sloka can be looked in both in two, two ways. Swata can be by its, um, is a double sense. And one of the senses is we become wrapped up in the material energy. He goes on, and this is all, all just an unpacking of this one part of the fourth verse explaining the 21 intrinsic qualities. So he goes on, the jiva is understood to be of the nature of energy because it is the intermediary potency, Tatasta Shakti. That's one of the reasons it's considered to be of the nature of energy, because it's a Shakti of Paramatma. We are part of Paramatma's energy. And second, though it is like a ray of Paramatma, like though we are like a ray of Paramatma, it is still ever under his shelter, meaning that it cannot exist without him. And three, it is the means 
Sadhanatva, by which the universal creation takes place. This is an interesting statement. It is the means, Sadhanatva, by which the universal creation takes place. So it's, he's, they're saying that it is through it is through the energy, the tatasta energy, that the creation itself manifests. As is said, the jiva is the cause of the creation. That's from the Bhagavatam, 12th canto, 7th chapter. And for, although it is a substance, dravya, signifying that it is the inherent cause of effects, or the substratum of qualities. It is similar to Pradhan, which is energy. Now, in this instance, there's a footnote here in regards to this terminology, dravya. Dravya here means a spiritual particle. Not a ma- Generally, the word dravya refers to a material particle or material substance, but in this application of the word, it means we're a spiritual particle of Paramatma. So these are four interesting things. The nature of our energy, our energy is, 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 is this, that we're an intermediary potency of Paramatma, a Shakti of his, and we're like a ray, but we don't exist if Paramatma doesn't exist. They're not like separate and just it is like connected and like coming off. Well, we're of the we have the same. What do, what what do we have in common with Paramatma? We're of the nature of his consciousness. And three, which is quite interesting, that we are truly the the cause of the material creation. Now we'll get into that a little bit more. Maybe not this evening, but it's. It's, it's an interesting concept that when you, you look at the material creation, who's conducting all the affairs? For the most part, it's, it's all these jivas. By their desires. By their various desires, by their, by their various energies. They have agency. That some of them are great. Brahma's just another jiva, but he creates... Indra, the king of heaven, all the demigods. So, and the Lord, he really doesn't get involved with Maya. So who gets involved with Maya? What's what's the most involvement that the Supreme has with Maya where we really say he's, he's, fully, he's fully touching Maya is, is a Shiva. The Shiva concept of the Lord, this is where the Lord touches the material energy. But Shiva is not considered fully a Jiva, and he's not considered fully God. He's like, he's the Tatasta between the Jivatma and the Paramatma, or the, or the Supreme in this regard. So he, he holds a very unique position, Shiva. Very unique. So, 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 so,
but with but that is not mentioned in that way with Prashiva, right? Her, I don't hear that ever. There is, we have come across, and I, I can't quote the Shastra for you, that there are some instances where the duties of Shiva can be taken on by, by a Jiva. Okay? They would be just like, well, Krishna sometimes empowers a Jiva with his Shaktis. Sometimes maybe Shiva, Shiva has other things. <laughs> he may also Ajiva may be empowered to conduct his affairs there is some mention of that if I ever come across it I'll point it out to you but uh, I've read that yes but again it would be an empowerment it would not no one's going to take Shiva's place yes so the Jiva is also said to be an energy shakti due to being a specific fundamental power prakriti of paramatma as it is as it is said in vishnu purana so again here the word prakriti is being used in a different sense so it all means context means a lot especially in these sanskrit verses and and how words are used so then the praman or the support for this uh, Vishnu take I'm sorry Jiva Goswami takes from the Vishnu Purana and he quotes the following verse Vishnu's energies are designated as the potency of inherent transcendence para the potency that is other than or apart from inherent transcendence, apara, which is also called the knower of the field, shetragya, and a third potency called avidya karma, ignorance as causal entanglement. Now, we are used to hearing this in a much more simplistic presentation. The Lord has three main aspects as far as his powers, his internal, his marginal, and his external. So that's what this verse from the Vishnu Purana is saying. But it, some explanations being given of, of what those are. Para means transcendental. That means the Lord's internal potencies. Um, we would say generally we that falls in the category of Swarup Shakti. And Swarup Shakti is is made up of of strictly that transcendental potency. And in transcendence, those potencies that are referred to in the material realm as eternity, knowledge, and bliss in the transcendental realm are Sandini, Samvit, and Hladini. So, and then the knower of the field of activities is Apara. It's like Para, but it's not fully Para. So it's marginal. Tatasta, in between the two. So the, the explanation from the Vishnu Purana is the potency that is other than or apart from 
the inherent transcendent. So apart, seen as seen as separate, but still of the same nature of consciousness, which is called the knower of the field. So in this instance, the knower of the field is the jivatma. In this particular uh, presentation of the verse from Vishnu Purana, and the third potency is called avidya karma, ignorant, ignorant, working in ignorance. <laughs> I guess is a simple explanation. Avidya is ignorance, and karma means to work. So, ignorance is causal entanglement. Being covered by ignorance, avidya, O king. This is also from the Vishnu Purana. The potency called the knower of the field, Chaitragya, exists in graded stages of evolution throughout all species of life. So it's an ex explanation of the Jivatma from the Vishnu Purana, that in different species of life, that same apara potency, the Jivatma, um, appears in different species. So we're not alone. There's other living entities out there just like us, but they they have different bodies. And in the Gita, Jiva Goswami goes on, after stating earth, water, fire, air, sky, mind, intelligence, and ego, this is my prakriti divided into eight categories. Bhagavan says, other than this, other than these eight categories of my energy, my separated energy, um, other than this, eightfold bina, material, nature, prakriti, O mighty armed, know that I have a superior nature in the form of the individual self, the jiva, by which this universe is sustained. Again, now we're seeing even Krishna in the Bhagavad Gita is saying the jivas are keeping things going in the material realm. It's, it's a deeper understanding of the nature of, of, of Paramatma's energies within the material nature. Because we say, well, everything's going on by God's arrangement. Well, God's arranged that the jivas create the universe maintain the universe, you know, but it's all going on under his direction because we are part. So we're an integrated part of the Supreme. So generally speaking, we like to look as everything in the material world is, is going on under God's direction, but he's directing through the, through his, through our agency, in, in fact. Really, the material nature, he doesn't, he has no need for it. We're the one that need. So he creates an arrangement where we can, the, his external energy can be used to fulfill that need, and we're put, it, we're put different of us according to our personal qualifications in different positions. And then he's overseeing the whole thing as Paramatma. Sarvasya chaham riti sani visnato matas mritir janama pohanam cha. 
I'm seated in everyone's heart. For me comes knowledge, remembrance, forgetfulness. So he's really directing the whole concert of material existence from within every one of the jivas. It's quite a quite an amazing thing that if we all decided to get into one plane and fly someplace, not that we're devotees, we don't have the same karmic thing going on because that's a whole other story. We won't go there. Say we're all karmis again. No, let's not say that. <laughs> <laughs> who, would, who would want to do that? Okay, say there was a, a group of karmis and they all got in a plane and they're all co the collectiveness of all their karma was played out in the fact that the plane fell from the sky. What a concert. What a what an arrangement, you know. You have this big huge storm coming in and hopefully no one will die from it like in other parts of our country where they said no one died. Uh, how that collectiveness, the collective avidya karma, all that collectiveness is, is played out perfectly through so many, in so many ways. It, it's quite an amazing thing. But who's administrating it? Let's not, Let's not go there. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just say that different people hold different views in regards to that incident. But it's still, it has the same effect. It's still a collective karma. Yeah. yeah. A lot of people. Yeah. 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 So, yes, in that regards... We can all agree on that. That was, we, we can agree that was an iceberg. So okay, we found some common ground here. So, but who's who's doing all that arranging? The, the higher higher jivas in the position of the demigods are like you know. There's a Yamaraj, and the Yamaraj is, you know, they kind of say, kind of, kind of we have this concept of Yamaraj writing everything down. You know, he's there observing. What, what kind of an, what, what observability does somebody like that have? How much potency, how much Shakti does a, does a Yamaraj have for his tenure in a Manvantara to keep track? That's, and he does it without computers, I bet. <laughs> so, and imagine in Kali Yuga, just to take that one step further, because it's an interesting concept when you think of the position of a, someone like a Yamaraj, that in Kali Yuga, he doesn't have to deal with the thoughts of man. In other Yugas, he does. So, he has to keep track of your thoughts and those you're punishable for, except in Kali Yuga, 
mankind is so fallen, he just, <laughs> if I had to deal with those, <laughs> I couldn't even keep track of it all. So we're just going to put, we're going to set the thoughts aside. We'll just deal with the actual, actual involvement, with direct involvement in sinful activity. That'll keep me busy enough. <laughs> Wow, well, thought and speech are very interesting. Like, you know, you could think something or you could say it. So thought in Kali Yuga is not there. Th- still speaking, that would be taken. But we read, of course, all three are there. Thinking, offending with the voice, offending with the body. Yes, ma'am. It's because also in other Yugas, though, that the, the time between their thought and their manifestation of that thought is very quick. With us, it's it's not so fast. We, yeah, it's, a, it's a long time between thinking it and actually doing it, or having it manifest. It just takes longer. But in other yugas, it, the process is much quicker, so your thoughts are more potent and more powerful, and therefore mm. need to be controlled more. Mm. Well, and with your thoughts in other times, you can control the physical yeah, aspect exactly. of existence. The more yeah. So there's much more here. Just to con- conclude Krishna's thought, to, his speaking to Arjuna on the battlefield. So, earth, water, fire, air, ether, mind, intelligence, false ego, these are my, my prakriti, divided into eight categories. And then it go, then he goes on. Other than this, eightfold bina, material, nature, prakriti, almighty oh arm, know that I have a superior nature in the form of the individual self the jiva, by which this universe is sustained. Why doesn't they say individual selves, plural? Because it could be taken. He didn't use... Well, Krishna's very kind. He, He supports both that understanding and the and the understanding of the of the bhakti so he there are places in the scripture that we do find that this collective nature of the self or brahman and the jiva being part of part of brahman so for the transcendentalist he's saying things in such a way that he's encouraging both of them in their understandings course we would naturally agree with you that it's yeah it should be jivas but well there's also the aspect of the jivas being the collective jiva and that is going to be brought out a little bit as we go through this commentary you know Haranyagarbha is the collective jiva looked at as one entity at a certain time during the material mm-hmm. manifestation so any specific questions Um, so, so in terms of this, the jiva, um, you know, how, like uh, as being as we are, we, we're all very, very different and unique, and have all these different characteristics as a person in this, you know, material world. Does the jiva is are they all more similar in that sense, or they also maintain complete individuality and being very unique and different? ways of being or is it is that particular element very similar amongst all of them all is all of them as they surrender unto me i reward accordingly 
Now, we're in a tradition where individuality is, is encouraged. So we want to become Raganuga Bhaktis. We want to follow in the emotional service attitude of one of Krishna's eternal associates, the Rigatmikas. So in that regard, the individuality, even entering into spirituality, we're giving up our material individuality and those material samskaras or material impressions that have made us what we are and what we think we are today. And as we go into spiritual practice, we want to maintain our individuality, but we want the nature of our individuality to follow in the mood of one of Krishna's eternal associates. Now, there are other transcendentalists, the Brahmavadis, who simply want to give up the material aspect of it and just they're content to be part of the Supreme. And so, so they all kind of going for the same mood in the sense without the very much... Well, they do, not, they do not want distinctive... They do not want the individual distinctive qualities. They think the only time that the distinctive qualities are of any value is when you're wrapped up in material existence. So we would look at their understanding as a, an incomplete understanding. And we look at the Brahman conception of the Supreme. It's certainly a manifestation. Vadanti tat tat bhavidas tat vam yas jnanavad vayam rameti paramatmeti bhagavaniti sabjate. So we're looking at the Supreme with a certain, through a certain lens afforded us by more advanced transcendentalists. But that lens is developed in association, and that lens differs. And some people uh, hold as their ideal the Brahman conception. So they worship the Supreme with that conception, Brahmati, Paramatmati. Somebody, some are worshiping the Paramatma aspect of the Supreme, and Bhagavaniti Subjate. So Bhagavan entails all those. They're to, from lesser specific specificality, you know, specific characteristics. The Lord, without any characteristics, any distinguishing characteristics, that we call Brahman. For the souls also that way. That's he looks at, well. The soul is what's being explained here. There's 21 intrinsic qualities, but as far as spiritual ideal, those will vary. Those vary according to, uh, you know, the aspirants. All of them, as they surrender unto me, I reward accordingly. So as we aspire to the Supreme in a particular way, and we think our way is the best. But not only do we think it's the best, but our poor Acharyas have been able to very effectively defend that position using the words of the Supreme himself, using, you know. So we look at, you know, the, all these Vedic scriptures are, are, the, are the roadmap to transcendence for all classes of men. And from that roadmap, different people, you know, take note of what's been presented that and develop different aspirations. But 
we think we have the most expert teachers to look at that roadmap in the most comprehensive manner and present to us as their students the, the most comprehensive understanding. That's why, you know, that's what that's where we stand right now. We stand and we would we would hope that we would be able to competently under their guidance also defeat these other lesser lesser understandings of the supreme as far as his completeness. Yes. It seems like you might have been talking about personality. Uh -huh. yeah. Yeah. So yeah. It, it seems like the that's right. Now I don't know if this is correct or not, but it seems like that the jiva itself, like say it didn't exist in the material realm or the spiritual realm. Mm -hmm. Of course, it has to be in one or the other, but what if it didn't? Well, there's a period when we're not neutral, in either. Then we don't really have personality. The personality comes when it is, when you take on an identity, either a false identity or an identity in relationship with Krishna, mm -hmm. and then the personality well, and your qualities and characteristics and your likes right. and dislikes will all, all come out due to your identification with that particular persona. Right. Like Gurmar says that some coward boys like mangoes and some like bananas and some like both. So you maintain your personality, your qualities, characteristics, your likes, dislikes. Because the, the, the intrinsic qualities of a jiva, they're all very much the same. Well, they're all the same. Potential, right? So they're all identical. In that sense, yes. But the yeah. only difference is the personality aspect, which you get from being in this world, and like you said, being in spiritual world. So that means going into the Brahman, you wouldn't have any of. That's right. correct. Okay, that, you would not. That, no. You would not maintain okay. distinctiveness. And that's what we don't. What, who would want to give up the distinctiveness? Without distinctiveness, there cannot be any exchange between one personality and another so we want to maintain distinctiveness and also you'll notice just to kind of give you some hint although it's uh, it's not practiced so much uh, now uh, in the western culture of, of Vaishnavism which is kind of new to this culture but earlier in the Sampradaya even as, or as recently as Bhaktivinoda Thakur, the specifics of your spiritual position were sometimes given by the guru. When you're at a certain point of advancement, when you would come to the stage of, of budding love or bhava for the supreme, you would be told what your rasa was by the guru directly. He'd say, you were a, you were a, you were Krishna's mother, you were, you were, you were like, you're an elder in the cohort community, not in our Sampradaya so much, the Balavat Sampradaya. You're an elder in the community, and you you have this relationship with Nanda and Yasoda's family. You're an uncle or an aunt or whatever, and this relationship. You look like this. This is the color of the clothing you wear. This is the color of your body. And in the practicing stage of, of uh, Samadhi or Sadhana Bhakti, we have our sadhika deya, which we perform service with our body in the Vaishnav community and to the guru. But in the perfectional stage, in our internal meditative stage, 
we can meditate on these specifics. So the guru would tell you those specifics. Yeah. What is it? Eka, Ekanasbhav, yeah. the nine the characteristics of your spiritual. So you would also meditate on those. And and there may be a time even now if if you if you take if you make such advancement in this life to get to the stage of advancing uh, uh, budding love for Krishna, Baba, then yeah, your guru may pull you aside and say, I can see these symptoms that are arising in you, these ecstatic emotions. It's time we talk. And he may say, this, you can meditate like this now. Or he may just do it by giving a mantra. Here's, you, in addition to the standard Gayatris, he may give you a specific mantra at a certain time. You meditate on this mantra. So even those transcendental characteristics where you were talking about we have this, that, and another thing, the spiritual characteristics are sometimes revealed even in the, you know, even even by directly by the guru. Now the reason the sampradaya, I think if you would ask Guru Maharaj, well, why why aren't you doing that? And he'd probably say, well, it's it's been frowned upon because it's been so grossly misused. Mm-hmm of late that right now we don't go there. Bhakti Siddhanta kind of, Bhakti Vinod was the last in our direct major acharyas that, that, that had some, some familiarity in dealing with that directly, which he mentions in his writings. But since then, uh, in consideration of the Sahajiya group and all these misrepresentations of Gaudiya Vaishnavism, Bhakti Siddhanta said, "All this will be revealed to you in in your in your chanting of Japa." And Guru Maharaj, even in his last time here, he says, "Or you could come to evening arti and enter into that understanding just by understanding." Understanding the Gora Arti, where Lord Chaitanya is manifesting different forms, and your form can be shown in relationship to Him at that time. It's advanced meditation, but that's what all this worship is. That's all there. These things can come through different avenues. Yes. So. Um you're talking about liberation a lot, and um, I want to know is liberation um, temporary? No. Because. Well, there is a temporary liberation. If we look to the ten subjects of the Srimad Bhagavatam, uh, you know, but liberation is the, is the tenth of those. Mukti. Mukti, yeah. Right. Is it temporary? Yeah, because we, we we always say that you know we're not we're not aspiring for that, and then the, the we we say that the, um, to aspire to to enter into the Brahman is not a, a permanent position. Right. So that would seem that it in the humility of the Vaishnavas, I mean, we want to serve Krishna as intimately as we can, but. We're not going to determine the level of that intimacy out of, out of, uh, out of uh, our love, you know. So we don't make such demands on Krishna that we need to be liberated to serve Him. Right. 
If he wants to take us to, to his abode in the transcendental realm, that's fine. If he wants us to serve here, it's fine. But when you're liberated, you're always liberated. Yeah, yeah, you never, never fall down from that liberation. That's a misconception. So when the ones that want to merge, or they call it the consider merging or whatever, when they want to join the Brahman, I, I've heard that, then they get back, they take birth again at some point. That doesn't sound like true liberation. No, it is true liberation if we understand it fully. Okay. Refer, there is a group of transcendentalists which, who are jivan mukta. Within the material realm, they're liberated. They haven't yet attained tran the transcendental realm, or they haven't yet merged into the supreme, if that's their objective. So they're jiva, they're liberated. From our point of view, they're free. like a, a Sukadev Goswami was liberated, but he still was walking around in the world. Now, if he hadn't come in touch with bhakti, and he'd stayed on the path of the Brahmavadi, then his ideal, which is which for the for the jnani or for the yogi is to merge into the supreme, his ideal would have been achieved, and he wouldn't have taken he wouldn't have appeared again in the material world. He would have merged into the into the energy of the supreme. So when we say they fall down we mean that they're still within the material realm, they're liberated from all intents and purposes, but they still have a material body that they have to give up, or they're, liber they are, they're so liberated, but they have misconceptions regarding spiritual spirituality, and they don't do that, they don't get that particle of, of bhakti that completes the process for them. So there is, there is the, the and they actually go through a, a, a bhava boss with Krishna directly. That's their touching with bhakti. So they have, they go through bhava and then Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur explains in a, a commentary to one verse, he translates the verse, their hook-like mind. So their hook-like mind is attached to the form of Krishna and they experience an abhas, practically the bhava of loving Krishna as the last stage of giving up the material body and then they unhook their mind because their hearts are still somewhat hard. They can't make the trip. They've been, they've cultured this, this detachment so long that when they have that final attachment with transcendence in a personal way, then they detach from it because their ideal has been cultured for Brahman realization. So when we hear of the fall down of the, from Brahman, we're talking about the fall down of the Jivan Mukta who's still within the realm of the material energy of the Supreme. All right, thank you so much. Thank you very much.